Christmas is just a few weeks away, days away, in fact. And Garage Experts may just be the solution to the best gift ever. That's right, Garage Experts. Do amazing transformations with your flooring, not just visually, but as a moisture barrier. Great improvement. The prep process alone is going to be a vast improvement as they prepare to lay down the highest quality epoxy flooring and then customized storage, not based on your space, but based on your usage, transforming your garage into a livable space. I can't tell you how many reviews of uh, that you know, people who have utilized garage experts to transform their garage and they like trying to figure out other ways to use their garage. Like we're going to host parties here just because it's an amazing transformation. And it's a room that generally is not a room that you really pay much attention to. Yeah, whenever you can't find where we, we we don't have room for this. I'll put it in the garage, right? And so it's just uh, an amazing opportunity for you. And all you got to do is give them a holler, and Shelly will come give you a consultation based on your usage, what you're looking for. You don't even have to do it all at once if you don't want to, or you may decide you don't want to do it at all, but at least you have the information. Garage Experts, KSGF.com under Nick's endorsements. We do have um, Christy Fulnack is going to join us today. We have Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. We'll have some audio from the Republican debate last night. Also, a number of, uh, so far, two out of three of the university presidents, Penn and Harvard, are backtracking on their, well, call for calling for the uh, elimination of all Jews. Yeah, that's not a violation of our code of conduct. Apparently, people who donate lots of money to those universities place some phone calls because they are backtracking very quickly. Uh, however, you, know, the, you look at the cultures that have fostered this hatred for other human beings on these university campuses. And when you have testimony of presidents of MIT, Harvard, Penn, saying that it's not a violation of their code of conduct to parade through the halls or the quad at campus, screaming for the complete elimination of the Jewish race, Unless you actually do it, then they will investigate. That's literally what some of the testimony revealed by their own words. The it's clear that this is a this is a culture. This isn't, oh my gosh, look at this weird group of people over here. That's an anomaly. It's not an anomaly. This is who they are. Obviously, not every student on campus is going to fall prey to that sort of hatred, just like not every person in the Middle East falls prey to that anti-Semitic 
hatred. There are some in the Middle East that are opposed to the elimination of Jews. There are some Muslims that are opposed to it. But when you indoctrinate people from a very young age, it gets built in. That's what's happening with a number of schools, public schools in our country. That's what's happening at the university level. That's why you, you, we, what we've seen is not a surprise. It is the result. Having the university president try and walk back the testimony, the revelation, the insight into the mindset, the culture in these universities because they're worried about using losing millions of dollars in donations is not the solution to this problem. Frankly, even just firing these individuals, there have been calls. Well, they should they sh- they should resign. I go what? Are we really not getting the depth of the problem, the depth of the culture? I think that we, some of us are getting it, but there is still a denial in place here. And I think a lot of it, and I can understand it if I'm a Democrat voter and I'm seeing this, that this is my party, these are my people that are not just turning a blind eye, but creating this culture of hatred against other people, in this instance, specifically Jewish people. I mean, we've seen it for a long while with white people. And and there's some commonalities there. Um, When you train young people to see white people as privileged and bad and responsible for all the ills in the world, and then you just see visuals of what's going on in the Middle East, and, and you see the Jewish... Uh, hostages and well they all look white and then the terrorists they're not so when you are conditioned I mean look what's happened in the Springfield public school system at the hands of some of the school board members the indoctrination of students into believing white kids privileged kids of color victims And then you want to talk about a crazy world. Who's the one person who called it out? A school board member who is from that region of the world, not Jewish. And they all attack her. From other school board members to Cliff Smart of MSU to, I mean, they all pile on her. It's that same attitude, that same approach. We cannot continue to put people like that in charge of kids and then be surprised when kids turn out to be haters that support genocide, that call for it. One of these, in the testimony, and we played this testimony yesterday or they did before. Harvard, MIT, Penn, whichever. And when asked about the the call, the massive call by students for genocide, well, I haven't heard that. Well, you know, you've kind of heard a, 
them chanting the sayings about getting, you know, from the, the river to the sea. Well, I guess in some instances that could be interpreted. What are you talking about in some instances? You got I, now, you know, they, 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 they try to like, run cover for the terrorists. They try to help protect them from criticism by downplaying what they're calling for. They actually tried in the testimony to distinguish that there was some sort of difference between calling for the mass elimination of all Jews versus just one. Well, it may be a violation of code of conduct if somebody tells one Jew that they should be eliminated, but if they call for all Jews to be eliminated, now that's different, see. Somehow that's better in their minds. I don't understand that. When you teach hate, you breed hate. When you teach division, you breed division. When you, and it's not by accident, they start at such a young age, like they have been with critical race theory and all, all of this poison, all of this toxic division in our public schools, even here locally. When you teach that, you breed that. When you indoctrinate young people into believing that it's virtuous to see people who are white as the aggressor, as privileged, as responsible for the fact that you can't get ahead in life, when they even go so far as to lie to you, as we have seen here with the MSU event, lie to kids of color, telling them that they're all victims because of these white people. I, this is what happens. I, I mean, it, it, I don't know how much more clear and obvious it can be. And do you believe that any, uh, do you think MSU, do you think the school board members, the administrators that are involved in this toxic hate are going to go, golly, now that we see the results, now that we get some sort of understanding, maybe we should rethink this. No, they will not. They know what they're doing. All of these, these anti-Semites that march on these college campuses have received the insane, the, the exact same sort of indoctrination about our country, about white people, about oppressors. They've all been taught they're victims. It's the exact same indoctrination that we have seen some elements, and MSU has been more than happy to house this toxicity, to be a platform for it. I, frankly, it makes me sick when I see you have a university like that run by somebody that, you know, announces he, that he's stepping down and, oh, everybody can't, trips over themselves to praise him. What, presiding over a campus that breeds hate? Oh, yeah, let's applaud that. How many awards can we give that guy? You know, when you look at it and understand it, hate's a pre it's pretty simple to comprehend. 
Yet apparently, some of the most brilliant minds in the world, those even that run universities, seemingly, at least they present themselves, incapable of figuring out how all of this works. The American Transmissions Talk at Text Line 447 KSGF. Latest news update. From Cutter 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. One of the teens accused in the deadly drive-by shooting in downtown Springfield last month will make an appearance in court today. 19-year-old Elijah Bedell has a counsel hearing where the attorneys will update the judge on the status of the case. Bedell is charged with shooting and killing Chavez Wynn last month. Two other 17-year-old suspects are charged in juvenile court. Last week's house explosion in Licking, Missouri has been classified as accidental by the Missouri Division of Fire Safety. They've determined it was caused by an open gas valve inside the home. The explosion destroyed the home on Myers Street Friday evening and sent two men in their 70s to the hospital with moderate to serious burns. And today marks 82 years since the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Flags will be flown at half-staff in remembrance. From Cutter 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. You know, you think about those... uh, there's um i think i heard fox news say a ceremony that involves a number of individuals that were there alive one of them 103 years old and in world war 2 of course you had a lot of different components japan of course pearl harbor Germany component, the Holocaust. And it would be interesting to have a conversation with someone who lived through that period of time and the what watched as it was revealed, the anti-Semitism, how it got where it got, the never again, never again, and then the recognition that here on our university campuses and our public schools in one of the two major political parties, that it is not only alive and well, it is thriving and just, you know, what is that? What is it like to recognize, to have lived through seeing the results of that and then thinking that the world woke up and understood and and, and cleansed ourselves of that, that level of hatred, the level you're always going to have people who hate people, um, but that we allowed it to get to that point. And here, the United States, 2023, Jewish students having to barricade themselves into classrooms and libraries, Jewish teacher in a public high school having to barricade herself away because of anti-Semitic students chasing them down. And, and then a White House that anytime they're asked about it, like, I don't know if you heard there's Islamophobia. That's what we really need to talk about. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sm- sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals. Sunshine 65 for a high today. 48 tonight, mostly cloudy. 61 tomorrow and rain likely tomorrow night. <laughs> Streaming live, KSGF.com. KSGF.com. And if you do miss any of the show... Uh, we do have the on-demand section. There is also, I, I mentioned Facebook Live, but those stay archived. So if you want to go back and and listen to the show while watching, 
the show in studio, sponsored by Springfield Raps. You can do so on our Facebook page, the 1041 Nick Reed Facebook page. The Republicans debated last night, and you had Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie. I should note, as I've noted on numerous occasions, right now what you have are, obviously Trump's not there, but half, half of the Republican contenders that are on the level of support that warrant them a slot on the stage are people of color. Which is really weird for a party that we're told is racist and filled with white privilege, as opposed to the Democrat Party, that is canceling primaries in order to hand it to the old rich white guy, guy who is also just over the line of being senile. I, I mean, <laughs> there were a lot of sparks flying last night. The, you know, the, it's such an odd. Odd, odd scenario we have right now because here you've got the guy that most people recognize is is going to get the nomination barring the Democrats have another activist decide to try to you know take him out like they've worked to take out Republican members of Congress conservative members of the Supreme Court and their increase warnings that Trump is Hitler and a dictator is only making that more and more likely by the day. Barring that or imprisoning him, it's pretty clear that Trump is going to get the nomination. But at the same time, these debates are continuing. Trump's not attending the debates. So, so, you know, some of the questioning is, to, to me, I, it, it does give us insight. I'm not somebody who thinks that the debate should not occur. But at the same time, I also don't believe that it's really going to make much difference in the context of the presidential, uh, the, the, the nomination process. I think that that is a place a person can be. Some think there's no point in having the debates because Trump's going to get it anyhow. And some people believe the debate should occur because they don't like Trump. And this is an opportunity for someone to somehow win over all of the Trump supporters in all of these states uh, in order to prevent Trump from getting the nomination. I happen to believe Trump's going to get the nomination, but have the debates anyhow. It's insightful, can be insightful, as insightful as any debates, I suppose, the way that they're held. I wish that ju- th- this is so Vivek is 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 really crafting this presentation of an annoying guy and it's clear that that is something that is being accepted as his lead personality trait because it's getting referenced by others. Yeah, when you know Chris Christie calls him the most obnoxious blowhard in America on the stage last night, and of course, I, I mean, if I'm Vivek, my immediate response is, "Well, you should know." I mean, because I don't know that there is a more obnoxious blowhard than Chris Christie. I wish that somebody would call Chris Christie out for what he's doing. And, you know, there's talk, oh, he's promoting a book that's going to be coming out and so forth. And I, to me, this really truly boils down to one thing. It was very, very, very clear 
Chris Christie thought he was going to get a position in the Trump White House. And he didn't get it. And he's been throwing a temper tantrum ever since. This is a temper tantrum that he's throwing. He's mad. He thought he was going to ride right in there, perhaps even be vice president of the United States, or he was going to have some sort of prestigious position in the White House uh, because he was out there for Trump, campaigning for Trump. Trump's fantastic, wonderful. He doesn't get a position in the White House. And ever since then, this is the way he's behaved. And that's the one thing I wish somebody on the debate stage would say, listen, we all know why you're here. You are continuing your temper tantrum because you did not get a position in the Trump administration. That's what this is. And everyone knows it because that is what it is. Megyn Kelly made the point to some degree. In noting that while Chris Christie is up there campaigning that well. The reason that Trump should not get the nomination is because he's so unpopular. Megyn Kelly went through and pointed out in all the polls that he's more popular than Chris Christie is. So how do you rectify that? Chris Christie knows that he, he's, he's not well-liked. He knows he doesn't have any sort of chance, not just this time around, but next time around. He knows that he's not going to get any sort of offering of a position in the Trump administration. He's already been down that path, and he certainly isn't going to get an opportunity now. There's absolutely nothing for him other than it's a temper tantrum. I'm going to take a break. I will play just a couple of bits of audio um, from last night, I, you know, the, who won, who lost? I mean, in the context of the nomination itself, nothing moved, nothing changed. And I think that if we just look at these debates as at what they are, these debates are not going to change anything. But that doesn't mean that they have to be ignored, and it doesn't mean that there isn't some potential value in it, potentially, but accept it as that. You get rid of, you know, and then this, because you see the postings, oh, Vivek won, Nikki won, Chris Christie won, Trump won, Ron DeSantis won, you know. Okay. Everyone won, everyone lost. That's some of your text messages on the debate last night. Christie is being funded to attack Trump, nothing else, another saying, I wouldn't want Chris Christie cleaning toilets in the White House. Uh, and Christie calling someone an obnoxious blowhard is laugh out loud ridiculous. 90 seconds and some of the audio from last night's debate, plus the latest weather. Right now, traffic. I'm Nick Reed. I said in 90 seconds, and that was two minutes. Fake news. I lied to you. My apologies. Try and correct. If I can't trust you to time out a break, how can I trust you with the news? You can't. (laughs) (laughs) The first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49. Meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunshine 65 today. Cloudy and windy 48 tonight. 61 tomorrow and rain likely overnight tomorrow night. You didn't even watch the debate. I wonder what no. the how many people will. was on this network that not that many people are familiar with anyhow. And 
I, I, it's just, I know I keep reiterating the fact, it's just such a weird thing. You've got DeSantis and Newsom, they're debating last week. Trump just not debating. You have a debate of other candidates that I think most people recognize aren't going to get the nomination. It's just, everything is completely unconventional. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. There is, so Megyn Kelly, when I think of Megyn Kelly hosting a debate, I just cannot get away from thinking about that debate where, you know, she really alienated, I think, a lot of her, I don't, I wouldn't say fans, but she went after Trump in a way that people felt was not even handed. Fair or not, that was just the perception. And uh, I'm sure he probably called her some names or something. I don't, I don't remember. Wasn't it, didn't he? He made, if I remember right, some comment about Megyn Kelly that suggested that she was PMSing, but then he tried to claim that's not what he was saying. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, 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 know, I think it was Megyn Kelly. And of course, whatever it was he said, it was it. That's obviously what he was trying to suggest. I want to say it was about that debate. He said this about someone at some point. And then when people were slamming him for being misogynistic, he was like, no, that's not what I, <laughs> I thought. Yes, you did. Oh, Trump. You got to take him for what he is. Megan Kelly, however. OK, so here she is. With a question around DeSantis, it's essentially, why don't you just drop out of this race? Her campaign and its super PAC have spent the most money, had the most high net worth donors, and had a wave of momentum coming into this race after your big re-election win in Florida. You were seen by many as the candidate most likely to consolidate the non-Trump field. But here we are, a month out from the first real votes, and you haven't managed to do it. In fact... Nikki Haley is beating you in New Hampshire and South Carolina now and closing in on you in Iowa, not to mention Trump, who is not only dominating in the early states, but is beating you in Florida by over 30 points. Is it fair to say, as Senator Tim Scott did when he dropped out, that voters are telling you not no, but not now? So we have a great uh, idea in America that the voters actually make these decisions, not pundits or pollsters. Uh, I'm sick of hearing about these polls because I remember those polls in November of 2022. They said there was going to be a big red wave. It was going to be monumental. And that crashed and burned. The one- All right. Then he goes on. But I'm more interested in the, the question here. And, you know, my aunt- <laughs> I, I this isn't a bad way to answer it. I don't know if I would have used that erroneous polling as an example, but that aside. You know, my response, if I'm DeSantis, the whole position here is, well, it's weird because, okay, well, you know, shouldn't you just maybe drop out? That's what she's saying. She's writing his political obituary for this election cycle. And why don't you just do the thing like Tim Scott? They're not saying not you, but not now. Well, why is that question not applicable to everyone on the stage? This, well, uh, Nikki Haley is beating you in her state of South Carolina. The first two contests, Iowa and New Hampshire, she's not beating you in Iowa. She's beating you in New Hampshire. So what? I I mean, oh, okay. I guess I'll drop out now. These, these questions. And frankly, what good does that question do anyhow? 
How does that, how does that, I mean, what, what answer can he give that is going to give any meaning ultimately to anything in the context of his belief that he would be a good president of the United States? Now, she also, I mentioned that she hit Chris Christie with polling as well, but that was relevant because Chris Christie's argument is that Trump can't win because he's so unpopular. And so because Chris Christie is bringing the popularity factor in it as a reason Trump can't win, well, he's got an even worse problem in that arena. So, you know, that makes sense if you're going to talk about polls, because Chris Christie, the, the very reason he is arguing Trump can't win also applies to him. But to say, well, you, you know, in two of the first contests, uh, you're only winning one of them between New Hampshire and, and Iowa. And, and, you know, so why don't you just drop out? And Trump's beating you by 30 points in Florida for the primary. Well, why doesn't everybody drop out then? I mean, why are we even here? Why even have this debate? I, you know, I mean, why are you here even asking questions? Because clearly, if I am supposed to drop out because Trump is doing so well versus everyone else, then everyone should be dropping out. Some of these questions, I, here, let me tell you what ideally would happen. And I'm not saying that it even should happen. I understand why it doesn't. And I don't think poorly of these individuals for going after one another in some capacity. Ideally, these are individuals that know that they're not going to get the nomination. All right, so then what? what is this an opportunity to do? I know this is crazy. because Okay, so you, you've got... Generally, what's the point of a debate? It's because you want to win. Not just the debate, but you want to win the... The or in this case, the selection process, the nomination process. Your goal is to do well, to get up in the polls, to get excitement, to get revenue coming in, and then that gets more excitement. Then you win a state here, you go from third to second here, and and you're you're a real contender, and you win the nomination. But so, what is the point if you're not, if that's not the goal? What's the point? I would really, I know this is crazy, like to just hear them not talk against each other as if they're competitors because they're not really competitors at this point at, for the nomination. They may see each other competitors for cabinet positions and so forth, but for the nomination, they're not competitors. So don't compete against each other. Just talk about your thoughts on things. And not in a adversarial way, because right now in this contest, you're not adversaries in a meaningful way. There's no race. The finish line's been crossed and there's no prizes for second, third or fourth place. Sort of a round table, almost as if there is no presidential contest going on that you just had three or four random uh, Republicans that have different backgrounds. Well, three are governors, former governors. Well, one's a current, two former, and then you got a biotech guy. And uh, you're just going to do one of these discussions where you talk and you may disagree. You know, I don't agree with that. Here's why and so forth and so forth. And uh, maybe we, I don't know. 
benefit from that a little bit. But like I said, I don't blame him for not doing that. This is Vivek attacking Nikki Haley, as this appears to be his go-to in these debates. I want to say one thing about the tie to Ukraine, if I may. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position, with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden, who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's a puppet ministers right there, the donors. All right, and then Chris Christie actually jumped in to defend her, which, I don't know, it seemed a little awkward. It, it's almost as if Chris Christie is maybe gunning for a Nikki Haley cabinet position. <laughs> He's thinking, well, maybe she'll be president one day. I'll start kissing up to her. <clears throat> his, his initial point, actually, I, I think is a fantastic one, though it got lost because he began sort of the insults and trying to illustrate his point by claiming she couldn't even name the provinces on a map. And that is foreign policy experience does not equate foreign policy expertise. These are especially in government for Pete's sakes. You you look at the Side-by-side comparison of foreign policy experience of the elites in dealing with the Middle East versus Trump, who got the Abraham Accords underway. What the elites, John Kerry specifically as Secretary of State, mocked Trump publicly, saying that there's no way any Middle Eastern country would sign a peace deal with Israel without going through the Palestinians. And that's exactly what Trump accomplished. So there is a brilliant example, and that that's if I'm the vague, that's what I would have I would have utilized to illustrate. That simply because you've been in government your entire life and you've been at the table over and over again, if you've been at the table over and over again and failed over and over again, that does not translate to expertise. Quantity does not mean quality. And maybe just maybe we need People who are not part of that bubble, the bubble of experts. If there's any, I mean, this is a theme that I would play on, and I'm just wandering to some degree here, but I watch these debates, and, and my mind is going, and, and I, I'm thinking what Vivek is saying here, and he, he has an extremely important point, and, and that is, the, he, he doesn't come out and say it, but we, we need to get over this idea of experts. If we learned anything from COVID, If anything, someone that the government tells us this is an expert, listen to them, that's the first person we should be suspicious of. Doesn't mean that you automatically dismiss them. 
But this idea that we are supposed, well, got all this expertise, have all this expertise. I, I don't think there's a word that has been greater tarnished over the last several years than the word expert. Whether it's experts of the economy, experts when it comes to COVID, experts when it comes to education, experts when it comes to dealing with the Middle East. I, I mean, fail, 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 fail. But boy, they got a lot of experience at failing, don't they? Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, it's time to prepare your home for winter. And one thing that oftentimes gets overlooked is your roof. So this year, make sure. It's like sure a coat for your house. It is. <laughs> Thank you for or that. Or I guess a hat would be more appropriate. Yeah, more with a hat, with a feather. Yeah. yeah. So this year, make sure to add a uh, roof inspection to your to-do list, and you can have that done with Josh and his team over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, I don't know about you, but I like it when things are just simple and stress-free, and that's how the Pyramid Roofing Company operates. Now, I had Josh out, uh, I guess it was probably the start of the year, and he did a roof inspection after we had several big storms move through the area, and he made sure to check for nail pops, uh, damage to my vents and gutters, and I got the green light that my roof was still in great shape and it also gave me uh, peace of mind too and you can also have peace of mind especially as we move into that colder weather Um, you can give Josh and his team a call today and schedule that roof inspection and you can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com what was the first thing you said nail pops Mm -hmm. what is that so basically is that where they start to work their way up Uh uh-huh yeah okay I guess I didn't know what it was there you go good job made me think of um, a desk pop I, what's a desk pop? Have you not seen the other guys with Will Ferrell and I don't think Mark I Wahlberg? Will Ferrell is so they get Mark Wahlberg. He they're they're both detectives, but um, Will Ferrell is a forensics detective, and somehow they end up getting paired together and totally different personalities. And Wahlberg just can't stand Will Ferrell, and and all the guys are always giving Will Ferrell a hard time, and they convince him that um, the other cops that every cop at you know they're not really a cop until they do what's called a desk pop and that is fire their gun at their desk (laughs) or in the office or something and they finally convince them to do it and of course it causes complete chaos because here you have a firearm going off in a police station but it's called a desk pop that's what i thought of when you said a nail pop oh okay there you go nice it's great morning show material (laughs) there were there were two things that were mentioned during, during the debate last night that I do think are meaningful. And they they give real insight into the mindset of a candidate as a person who wants to be in charge of other people, which is not really what a person in government should be, but that's where we are today. It shouldn't be that way in our government anyhow. In a, in a republic, it should not be that way, but that it is. One... Vivek referenced, uh, Vivek has a tendency to say things in a way that caused the point to get lost. And it's when he said, he, he said that uh, Nikki Haley was more of a fascist than Biden. That, that was a, a big line of the night. People booed him. And so that got a lot of attention. And it overshadowed what point he was making. And that was referencing the fact that she, she said if she's president, uh, day one, day one. 
She's going to force social media companies, Facebook and all these others to figure out a plan to reveal people's names so that you could no longer post anything on social media without your real true name being shown. Now, of course, when she made these comments, and she made them on a number of occasions, many people pointed out, you know, the founders, the Federalist Papers and all that, they used fake names. For very significant reasons, in fact. Many of the reasons that, that, that Americans unfortunately face today, and that is the fear of repercussions simply for offering up ideas. And the idea that anyone, that, that, that is their plan, that they think that government, and, and she went on to explain why. She said she believed that that would force Americans to be more polite. That if the government forced your identity to be revealed, if you were posting things on social media and you think this was the example she gave about your minister reading it or your neighbor reading it, that you might be nicer. And to, to me, that is exceedingly frightening belief that, that, that government should do that. And she, she believes that. She said it and on more than one occasion and, again, articulated why. And he mentioned it last night. Now, she tries, she tries to now say, no, what I meant is just reveal their algorithms. And she did say that as well. But I, I, it, whether you want to claim that that makes her more fascist than Joe Biden, I, I, you know, I think it's unfortunate that characterization because then again, the larger point gets lost. But to me, it's frightening, frankly, that while some people will see that as just, oh, well, that's just one thing. That's a big thing because that gives you insight into their belief in terms of the role of government and your ultimate freedoms and liberties. We're not talking about tax brackets. We're not talking about... um, vouchers versus um, charter schools. You know, we're talking about the very fundamental basics of freedom and government oppression. And to have someone so instinctively believe that that's what government should be doing, to me, I don't care almost what any other issue is. That is scary enough. That person should not be empowered. We're going to take a break. There was one other takeaway that I think is very important. Not that it really matters ultimately because it's a Chris Christie situation and nobody really likes him anyway. Governor Chris Christie, uh, Megyn Kelly brought up legislation that had to do with transgenderism in schools and and in New Jersey where uh, teachers are supposed to hide kids transitioning from their parents. And Chris Christie's claiming that he didn't have anything to do with it. I don't know the truth on that or not. But one area that he has taken a stance on is that it's not the government's position to tell parents they cannot have irreversible reconstructive surgery done on their kids. And Ron DeSantis flat out says, you, you, you know, it's not you, you, you just cannot allow parents to abuse. their. It's not government. In, I mean, there are certain limitations. You can't beat your kids to death. There are certain things you cannot do to your children. Um, and, and this idea that 
somehow it's parental rights to be able to do something like, I mean, we aren't going to let a parent give their 12 year old breast implants just because she's feels like she hasn't grown into them in time or, you know, it, it's just Chris Christie's way off on that as so many others are Chris Stiefelnecki in the upcoming hour. I'm Nick.